0: This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate.
1: Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Oh, welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast. That's me. My name is Chris Plank. Thank you so much for downloading and spending some time with us to talk Sooner Athletics. Obviously, in the crosshairs, the conversation topic today, homecoming, Oklahoma and Kansas, 6 o'clock kick on Saturday night. We'll be on the air with the OU Radio Network at 4, and, of course, at 10 a.m. on Fox Sports Southwest. It's the OU Soonersports.tv pregame show. We've got you covered all day long, and we've got you covered for about the next 30 minutes or so. We always like to have a a sprinkling of play-by-play on play-by-play conversations, right? So Toby Rowland sat down with the play-by-play voice, the new play-by-play voice of the Kansas Jayhawks' Brian Haney. Brian had spent some time in Lubbock as the baseball and basketball play-by-play voice at Texas Tech. So we got a chance to really get to know Brian, truly one of the good guys. Brian Haney coming up with uh, Toby a little bit later on in the show. And I went and found an Oklahoma native who's currently living in Lawrence and living the life, I caught up with Tyler Jones, who's working in sports radio in Kansas and got his perspective on what's going on in Kansas with the Kansas Jayhawks. So we'll talk a lot looking forward. But I say this a lot on my radio show. I personally believe, and Toby and I talked about this a little bit on Tuesday's podcast, that you will not find a better breakdown of what happened the week before and preparing going forward like Bob Stoops gives to open his press conference every single Monday. Here's what it sounded like this week. Welcome,
0: everybody. Um, Going back and recapping last uh, weekend's game with Texas Tech. Uh, Down there at Texas Tech, uh, a wild game. Uh, But uh, really, uh, really elated with uh, the way our offense played I thought uh, Baker was just sensational. Not only uh, just his accuracy, his deep balls, the decisions at the line of scrimmage, changing plays here and there, uh, just really operated in a, in a great, great way to, to get you know just to you know to have the you know the consistency that we did. Thought Joe Mixon uh, was was also equally as incredible in the way he played. Uh, running the football, great cuts, strength, power, speed. When he broke open, and then you know route running, you know the first, uh, you know the first touchdown, being able to get past a linebacker, great hands out in space, you know was just uh, had a great, uh, you know just a special night. Uh, along with other big plays, DD Westbrook, uh, again over 200 yards, ton of big plays. Um, Uh, interesting our offensive coaches wanted to give uh, the player of the game to the offensive line Uh, so all those guys up front uh, with Alex Dalton and all the starters were really the players of the game with protection run blocking all of that uh, really uh, really played well and needed to because obviously the defense uh, was not nearly good enough uh, in the way we played but I I do want to compliment Coach Kingsbury, Texas Tech, uh, Patrick Mahomes is an excellent player, and uh, really got hot uh, because in a lot of there's a lot of cases where we're in tight, close coverage and not able to make the play. Give them credit; they made some competitive, tough plays, and made the plays when they needed to. Uh, big story of the game, I thought, there was uh, third downs. You know, interestingly, we played well enough to put them in 25 third downs in two fourth downs, but we weren't able to convert on those. Uh, they converted 20 of them, and that's, you know, to me, that was the story of the game, not being able to come up with the play on third down to get off the field, you know. So, uh, you know, we've got to do a better job, be more aggressive to complete plays. Uh, multiple occasions, we got pressure and couldn't complete a sack. We got him, you know, we got him two hands, can't couldn't get him on the ground. He scrambled away and made plays. Uh, then other times we're in tight coverage they come up with the ball we've got to be able to get in there more aggressively rip the ball out knock it down whatever it may be and uh, so we've got to we've got to keep improving there Um, I thought overall again Austin uh, outside of the the first miss which really you know uh, which really hurt us you know that one point continues to haunt you as you go through a game but Fortunately, there in the fourth quarter, we went for a two-point play and were able to make it up. But the rest of the kicking game was really uh, solid the rest of the day. Uh, so, anyway, that leads us to being back at home here to, to, with Kansas. I think the, the, the positive part, uh, too, again, from, from last week is being on the road in that situation, just the way the offense, uh, you know, continued to respond. And I didn't realize this. I guess it's been 12 years since we've been 4-0 uh, at this point in the season in, in uh, Big 12 play. Uh, so hopefully you know, we just got to keep improving to, you know, to keep that. Uh, but being here at home with KU, a team that has much improved, uh, Coach Beatty and his staff have done a, a great, great job. Uh, doesn't look like the same team from a year ago by any means. And every a game, for the most part this year, they've been uh, uh, in you know, late in the game with an opportunity to win uh, much you, you see it excellent execution, uh, offensively uh, and defensively uh, is really they're really playing playing well both sides of the ball, and uh, much uh, again a much improved football team, uh, much different than what the record, you know, indicates. So uh, we need to make our improvement here, you know, this week uh, primarily defensively because we'll see a very similar attack, and uh, you know from uh, Kansas here this week.
1: Great stuff from Bob Stoops, as I've said many times and I'll continue to say on this podcast, you can get about every question answered in the first opening statement that Bob Stoops makes in just about any setting. Now, we learned on Tuesday during the Bob Stoops Coaches Show that Saturday was the most frustrating victory of Bob's career. That's what he told Toby during the Bob Stoops, Coaches Show Live from Rudy's, but he also gave us an update on a couple of injury situations which have continued to progress throughout the week. No updates as of taping this on Thursday afternoon at about 2 o'clock on Obo Okronkwo. He is doubtful for this week. Matt Romar is out. Charles Walker and Matt Diamond again are out, but Curtis Bolton will return. Of course, remember, Bolton had that special package they used against Texas Tech. On Wednesday, Teddy and I taped Coaches Corner. Some great stuff coming up. From Dennis Simmons on D.D. Westbrook. But we talked to Calvin Thibodeau about the frustration for the defense on Saturday night.
2: But, but uh, as a player, you know, the next man up, you know, you get an opportunity to step up and contribute. You know, you have to be ready for it. And, you know, uh, uh, to uh, Lamps' uh, credit, you know, he got a chance to play about 20 plus snaps and uh, went in there and did a good job for us. As a coach, where do you find the balance? Because I know there was probably a lot of stuff on the film that you wanted to rip your guys for, but
3: you got to keep that confidence level up to keep the, the, the play up as you move through
2: the season, and you did come out of there with a win. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you, you, you know, you, you pat them on the back for the things that you did like and, and encourage that type of, you know, uh, uh, um, action more, uh, and, and you point out the things you don't like and, and help them correct it. You know, you just don't point it out. You know, you give them the answers to fixing it.
1: Great stuff from Calvin Thibodeau. If you haven't seen the Coach's Corner, it's well worth your watch right now on Soonersports.tv. On the other side of it, what a run it's been recently for Didi Westbrook and Baker Mayfield. Pro Football Focus put together some numbers. Consider this. Baker and D well, let's go more specifically, Didi here. Through the first three games of the season, Westbrook had 17 catches on 25 targets, 154 yards, no touchdown. Since then, TCU, the Texas game, Obviously, the uh, Texas Tech game was in the mix as well, too, there. In the last four games for D.D. Westbrook, four games since then, Westbrook has been targeted forty-five times, uh, 40 times. He's completed, has Baker to Westbrook, 35 of those 40 passes. 35 of 40. And through the first three games, it was 17 of 25 on targets total yardage in the four games, 776 yards with 10 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns. That's, I I just, I left out Kansas State. That's TCU, Texas, Kansas State, Texas Tech. And, oh, by the way, he also caught a 26-yard touchdown pass from Joe Mixon. It's been phenomenal what we've seen from D.D. Westbrook, and obviously Coach Simmons is impressed, as we all are.
2: Well, I mean, one of the the, the good things about D.D. or one of the, the God-given talents that he has is, I mean, he is able to adjust on the ball, uh, and he's probably one of the better downfield deep ball catchers that I've been around in my career. Uh, so, I mean, him and Baker, yes, you're correct. They are on the same uh, on the same page as far as some of those down the field throws. But I mean, he's one of those guys that he's got an ask speed that you know he can accelerate. Yeah, he can accelerate when he needs to accelerate, and he can kind of throttle down when he needs to throttle down too.
1: We also asked Coach Simmons about that that vibe on the sidelines and when you're just scoring at will, that confidence level.
2: Which, here's the funny thing about it on the field. I mean, obviously our goal is to score every time, you know, every possession and all that. But on the field in the second half, it was like you was never worried because you could look in each one of those kids' eyes and know that I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my job and we're going to be successful. So, I mean, uh, that was probably the most gratifying feeling.
1: I've said this a lot on this podcast. He is, without a doubt, one of the brightest young assistants in college football and It's incredible to hear him talk about and to watch him coach. Hear him talk about that energy level and that focus and then to have seen it firsthand and how it played out on Saturday night. So it's on to Kansas. It's on to Oklahoma and Kansas. The Sooners have won 73 games in this series, including 11 straight. The overall mark, 73 wins for the Sooners, 27 losses, and 6 Ties overall. Again, the Sooners have won 11 straight. David Beatty, uh, obviously 0 1 so far. The Sooners won 62 to 7 last week. So that's kind of the week that was leading into game time on Saturday night between Oklahoma and uh, and Kansas. I keep want to say Kansas State for some reason. So what do you say we go a little bit more in depth on this matchup and welcome in a couple of special guests. <laughs> Kansas has a brand new play-by-play voice. His name is Brian Haney. Toby Rowland caught up with him earlier this week. It was uh, uh, big shoes for
4: you to uh, walk into. Uh, Mr. Uh, Davis was around there for many, many moons and uh, people are used to hearing his voice for a long time, so has it been smooth?
3: Well, you know what? It's been as smooth as as you can expect. Obviously, we'd love to be sitting here at uh, 7-0 right now, but I've got one of the best football coaches in the country to work with in terms of a guy that that's just uh, gregarious and outgoing and, and the perfect hire, quite frankly, for a rebuild like this program's going through right now because he can, he can sell positivity in the face of a long-haul building process. And so he's been a joy to work with, and, and even though we haven't had as many wins to call or highlights to call in some games. Um, It's been a ton of fun because he makes it fun, David Beatty. So uh, excited about that. But, yeah, in terms of taking over for Bob, you're right. You never replace a legend, truly. You know, when a guy does it for 32 years and does it as well as he did, I'm just trying to keep the bar raised to a remotely close place of uh, where he had it. And you go about it doing it differently. You know, you try to come up with some, some different things that maybe wasn't done in the past. And that's what we've been able to do with a lot of the daily content that we're churning out online and through social media, that kind of thing, because you just line up and try and call the games better than a guy who's a hall of famer. You're not going to knock that out. It's like, it's like following Derek Jeter at shortstop for the Yankees. So I'm uh, not trying to do that, but uh, certainly enjoying the opportunity and for us hoops begins here in t-minus six days and that that's going to be exciting as well
4: i'm excited for you for those who don't know brian was at kansas kansas grad right yep yep and uh and called games uh for them uh for many years before taking the uh, texas tech job and you remember him coming our show uh, many times as the voice of the red raiders and then uh, this past off season was hired as uh, Kansas and, and uh, going to be sitting courtside in Fog Allen Fieldhouse here in the not-too-distant future. Bill Self's going to have him quite a team again, and we'll talk uh, with you about that uh, in the not-too-distant future. But uh, we got a football game coming up Saturday, so tell me about this uh, Kansas team. I know only the one win, but having watched them a few times this year and a little bit on, on tape this week, It feels like they've got their act together a little more than in years past. So what is your opinion on the state of the program right now?
3: Yeah, I think that's a a great observation. And to piggyback on what I was saying about Coach Beatty as a motivator, he's also an excellent salesman, and they're recruiting really well. And this past year just added a $2 million players lounge and locker room enhancement that's going to help them. Recruit even better. Obviously, the biggest objective in Lawrence right now is to raise funds, raise funds, I should say, in a capital campaign for a brand new stadium, and that'll help too. But he's getting some guys that would impress you. There's a couple of five star transfers from Alabama that'll play next season. So Oklahoma fans don't have to worry about them on Saturday, but uh, you know examples of guys he's getting that might be head turning to the common Kansas football fan. And in terms of uh, you know them looking the part right now not just in terms of size but speed, uh, they are vastly improved in terms of athleticism. A year ago, they had only three players, Toby, on the entire roster, three that could run a sub-4, 640-yard dash. To put that in perspective, you know, Coach mm-hmm. Beatty is a former high school coach in his home state of Texas. His last high school team down there in the Lone Star State had 18 guys that could run a sub-4, 640. KU had three last year. Now they have 35 some of that's recruiting with the bulk of that is, is strength and conditioning and, and getting these guys bigger, stronger, faster. And, and they're bigger as well. You know, a year ago, only a handful of guys could power clean north of 300. Now everybody in the trenches offensively and defensively can power clean at least 315 and in most cases upwards of 350. And so they're, they're encouraged about the strength-building aspect as well. And, and the thing that's obviously been a struggle for them this year on a team that's had a really good defense, more so than the numbers might indicate, is the sporadic play at quarterback, and obviously that's an all-important position. And they go back to Montel Cozart a week ago, and I thought he played his most efficient game, when you factor in the opponent as well, that uh, we've seen him play outside of a you know non-con win over Rhode Island. And So they're hopeful that that's something that's now pointed in the right direction because it has been up and down at that position. And a lot of the, the points that you've seen the defense give up in the last month have been because of a short field given to the opposition. Here's a great stat for you. Versus Oklahoma State, a game that they outgained the Cowboys for the first 55 minutes of that game in terms of yardage until the very end, Uh, there was a third quarter in which the Cowboys scored 17 points on a total of 29 yards. So the defense has been put on the field in, in tough spots, sometimes because of special teams, but many times because of offensive turnovers. They've stood tall and strong in a lot of those cases, but when you're giving the ball away as much as Kansas has at times, it's a whole lot to overcome when your margin for error isn't that big to begin with. And so they're hoping to, to not have so many self-inflicted wounds when they come down to Norman on Saturday, but obviously that's easier said than done in
5: that house.
4: Ryan Willis has played a lot of quarterback this year as well, but it was all Cozart against OSU last week. Uh, what's your hunch Saturday? Do you think it's, it's all Cozart, or are they going to mix it up a bit?
3: Yeah, it should be all Cozart unless he just had a, a disastrous first half, and then uh, you know Willis and, and Carter Stanley are other options right now. but Montel looked much more comfortable and poised in the pocket versus Oklahoma State. His two interceptions, Coach Beatty would tell you, neither were his fault, one more so than the other, but one was a beautiful deep ball uh, to a receiver that had his man beaten by half a stride and it just hit him in the helmet. As he looked up into the sky and then popped up in the air and they picked it off and they turned it 60 yards back the other way, kind of a microcosm of, of some of our tough luck of late. But uh, in terms of Montel versus Willis, if you go back and look at their interceptions, Kozar when he'd throw it away, at least he was throwing it in the right place. In terms of post-snap reads, he was taking what the defense was giving him, going through his progressions and putting the ball where a coach would want him to put it. Sometimes, though, it didn't always get there go where it should. Uh, in Willis's case, he might throw a little bit better of a ball, and there's some throws he can make that I'm not sure anybody else on the roster can, but uh, to quote Coach Beatty, every one of his interceptions this season, of which we had seven in the a, in a two-game span there when he was starting, he was putting the ball in a place it didn't belong. He, he was locking in on a receiver or picking out a certain route before surveying what was even available, and many times throwing into double coverage, and that's not to throw him under the bus by any means. I'm just telling you why they made the decision. And, uh, and Montel backed that up with, with throwing the ball where it needed to go versus Oklahoma State. And for the bulk of that game, playing as well as we've seen him play. So I would fully expect it would be Montel not only to start the game but likely throughout unless they really had disaster strike in terms of uh, more self-inflicted
6: wounds.
4: Lincoln Riley has had high praise for this Kansas defense this week. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong seven sacks now I like fish smithson a lot what what are your thoughts on the defense
3: well he should praise this team because his brother's the offensive analyst here so I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing he uh he's been cheering for the hawks on occasion when they're when they're uh, not lining up to play oU but uh, Garrett's a, a terrific talent it's funny in the press conference yesterday uh David Beatty was, was praising lincoln and, and what a talent he is he says you know his his older brother Lincoln is is one of the uh most talented offensive minds in the country. And and because I couldn't hire him, I had to hire somebody in his family. So I hired his little brother, Jared. And and so that was kind of cool. But uh, you're right, the defense um, with with Dorrance Armstrong leading the way with those seven sacks, one off the Big 12 lead right now, they've been a great story. Uh, Throughout the season, it's been a team in terms of TFLs that's been amongst the nation's leaders. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they, they were third in the country in tackles for loss per game. And Dorrance a huge part of that. The beauty of it is for Kansas fans looking to build toward the future is bulk of the names that you're going to call out from a defensive perspective in the the backfield of the opposition, making TFLs and sacks and, and forced fumbles and all that, the bulk of those names, Toby, are all underclassmen. Doris Armstrong's a sophomore. Daniel Wise, who could be all Big 12 before it's all said and done, at defensive tackle, he's a sophomore. They had a kid named Isaiah Bean they love out of Lumble, Texas, who's a freshman. And so uh, they really feel like the future's bright in that regard. And Clint Bowen done a, a terrific job you know, in defensive game planning. This past week held James Washington to just one catch for nine yards, and he came in averaging 121 receiving yards per game. Now, the hard part about Oklahoma is – you try to do that to D.D. D. Westbrook, well, then you got Joe Mixon who can rush for 263 against you, or, or Baker Mayfield can spread it around to other guys. It's just so many different weapons they have to worry about. But I think Clint Bowen's really been terrific this year in his schemes, and he's got more talent than you might realize at linebacker. And One of their defensive captains and best players, Joe Denine at linebacker, has been out with a hamstring injury since the third week of the season, and at this point it's probably more likely he'd take a redshirt than it is he returned. I wouldn't expect to see him on Saturday as of today. So they're doing it shorthanded. And that was the thing about the TCU game. Real quickly, I, I know a lot of your fans were watching that and probably pulling for us because mm-hmm. you pull for the underdog when uh, when you see a near upset like that. They lost 24-23 to to TCU three weeks ago. In that game, they were playing without four defensive starters. Now, they've gotten a lot of those guys back since then, but uh, really outplayed TCU in every phase of the game except for kicking. And they were that close to uh, knocking off the Frogs about three weeks ago.
1: what time is it is! Great stuff from Brian Haney. He'll be on the call for the Kansas Radio Network on Saturday. Covering the Jayhawks all season long has been Tyler Jones. He works in the Kansas sports radio market. Longtime Oklahoma fan. Tulsa guy as well, too. We caught up with Tyler and kind of asked him, What stood out to him with this Kansas Jayhawk team so far in 2016?
6: Well, you know, David Beatty with his second year in this program has uh, brought in his own guys and really just started to build this program back up the way he wants to build this program. If you remember when Charlie Weiss was here uh, at the University of Kansas, that he was trying to build a pro-style system. With a lot of JUCO players, and just didn't work. Threw off the scholarship number where it's going to take them three years just to get to 85 scholarship players. Now David Beatty is bringing in that air raid scheme that he's a, that he's trying to run. Players built for built for that system, and guys that he wants in the recruiting class last year. Although it wasn't great, it was significantly better. And uh, there's already been a number of true freshman players just from this past class already out getting significant playing time for this team because there's there's just a much better increase in talent and better players suited for baby's system. What you also saw with uh, the way that this all came together with looking at just a pure number standpoint was last year there was only, I believe it was five guys in the entire roster that ran faster than a Four, five, 40. This year's roster, it's not a great number, but it's still significantly improved. Over 30 guys that can do that. So this team has just gotten bigger, stronger, faster, and, and more talented than it was a year ago. They still have a long ways to go, but David Beatty is finally getting uh, the guys he wants into this program.
1: What kind of difference maker is Durant's Armstrong Jr.? Uh, here is a guy that. Had sacked the opposing team's quarterback at least one time in five straight games. Currently leads the Jayhawks with seven sacks on the season. Uh, he's second in the league right now and ninth in the country. How good is he, Tyler?
6: Lawrence Armstrong is the is the real deal. And the thing that impresses me about him and, and some of these other players like Mike Lee and Fish Smithson is that they are Big 12 players. You know, you'd, you look down this roster, one of the things that KU wants to do to compete is just bring in – Big 12 quality players, which is what they've been lacking. A guy like Dorrance Armstrong is exactly that, what David Beatty wants going forward with this team. Uh, Armstrong has had a terrific start to this season of what he's been able to do, be so aggressive uh, on that that side of the ball defensively, and it's just been uh, refreshing to see defensive end like that step up the way he has. He's second in the Big 12 with uh, tackles for loss per Mm. game this year. And, uh, also, tenth in the nation in sacks per game as well. So that pass r- pass rush for KU has uh, given some defenses some problems. You saw it in the TCU game uh, as they got a pass rush from Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill ended up throwing three picks in that game. Uh, you know, of course, Mason Rudolph was sacked five times last week. So he's something special. And uh, part of what makes this a Kansas defense definitely the the strength of this this KU team
1: let's look. Obviously, in everyone that we talk to on on the Oklahoma staff, it appears as if they get just how talented this defense is for Kansas. And they also are very wary of the offense. But which direction are they going to go at quarterback, Tyler? Are you are we going to see Cozart this weekend? Are they going to go back uh, to kind of where they were early in the season? Do they are they set at quarterback right now?
6: Well, uh, after the Oklahoma State game, uh, Coach Beatty made the announcement that Cozart will get the start against OU, and it's been a carousel for quite some time in that quarterback position. Uh, you know, Last year, Cozart was the day-one starter, but he got injured pretty early on, and Ryan Willis started the rest of the year, and, and uh, he got injured so early on that he was actually given a medical redshirt. So last year didn't even really count for Montel Cozart, and there was a quarterback competition all the way to the very end. Cozart's the opening day starter this year, and then he loses the job to Willis. Willis struggled a bit, and, and basically the way this system has gone is that whoever has the hot hand gets the start essentially here. And, and I'll be shocked if Ryan Willis does not get playing time at some point uh, against OU on Saturday, whether that's in the second half and KU is getting blown out or if uh, Montells is having struggles of his own, whatever. I will be honestly shocked if both these quarterbacks do not play against OU
1: on Saturday. Uh, where's the strength of the? Let's let's focus on the offensive side of the ball first, Josh. Where's the strength, or, uh, Tyler? Where's the strength of the uh, of the offense on this team?
6: Oh, it's definitely with the receiving core. A guy like Steven Sims Jr. We talked about Big Twelve players. This guy is definitely a Big Twelve. Uh, Caliber player, fourth in the Big 12 in receiving yards, was 543 uh, per game this year. Of course, Uh, uh, Gonzalez as well. This guy has been uh, been tremendous. I mean, there's some good receivers with this team, and uh, that excites KU fans because what what KU fans remember the glory days of that you know the 07, the 08 years under Mark Mangino. uh, You know, KU's big strength then was receiving as well with guys like Kerry Meyer and Desmond Briscoe and among others, so you got guys that can catch the ball. You just need guys that to get the ball to them. Like Cozart and Willis need to be more accurate, and that's the problem here. Is you got some good explosive receivers that can do some things, but you don't have anybody to get them the football. So we'll see if that can be solved on Saturday. Not really, not really optimistic about that by any means. But these guys are true Big 12 talents uh, at those uh, wide receiver positions. It's uh, it's good to see that. And the running game has been good the last couple of weeks. Keon Kenner was uh, just outstanding uh, last week. He had, a, had a, a very nice game against Oklahoma State. And to have a good good backfield, that's kind of you know, running back by committee. I know, you've seen that a lot over the years and, and seen it again this year with Nixon and Pirine. But the running game has, has been solid. The last couple of weeks, receiving core is good. They just don't have anybody to get them to football. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. How about the defense then? Is it, obviously I think we we've touched on it a bit, Tyler, but it's getting after the quarterback, isn't it?
6: It is, it is, and, and if you look back at that TCU game, uh, you know the best points in that game was when they were able to get after Kenny Hill and, uh, and compete there. The defensive line, this defensive line, you mentioned, you know, of course, Armstrong on one side, but also Daniel Wise. This guy is a, a sophomore recruited by David Beatty. He's done a tremendous job. He had a good game last week. The defensive line is the real deal, but also that secondary. Uh, Fish Missin, who uh, he'll be an all-Big 12 player. He'll be either first or second team. Is uh, leading the team in tackling with 48 tackles. He's got two interceptions on the year. Last week against Oklahoma State, he had a career-high 16 tackles. And on the opposite side of him, Mike Lee, true freshman, 5'11", this guy, uh, just flying around the field, averaging eight tackles per game at Big 12 play. And uh, he's only 17 years old. He, he forewent his senior year of high school, graduated early to come to KU, and he's already making some big plays. Uh, so that's secondary. I mean, they've really bailed them out at times because the cornerbacks the around them aren't that great, but those, uh, those two safeties at top, Smithson and Lee, have really uh, put something together. Uh, For sure. But one of the things I'll say also about one of the strengths with this team, too, is, you know, when you look at building this program, which is what David Beatty's doing, it's such a process to get this. One of the things he's doing, too, is bringing in Oklahoma high school kids. When Beatty showed up to the University of Kansas, there was not a single Oklahoma high school player. in In two recruiting classes, he's already brought in five Oklahoma high school kids, and you'll see two of them get significant playing time. Uh, on saturday one of those being punter cole moose uh from broken arrow and the other one being uh kyle mayberry the cornerback from booker t and uh, mayberry was a three-star recruit he uh he's had some moments this year but he's still very young and trying to get there so uh mentioned baby mentioned in his press conference this week that bob stoops is one of his coaching heroes and and you're seeing some similar things to how he's building this program of running that air raid scheme, bringing in Oklahoma high school players. I mean, you can see the inspiration that Bob Stoops has had definitely on, on David Beatty and how they're building this
1: program. Good stuff from Tyler. Good stuff from Brian. Appreciate them coming on. The Sooner Sports Podcast this week. Hey, as I was recapping the week that was, I left out one thing that I really wanted to get to. So I figured before we wrap, it might be a good time to go ahead and slide it in. For those of you that stick with us to the whole podcast, a little bonus, if you will. I get a chance every week to talk to two or three Sooner players right before the Monday media lunch, and maybe some of you have seen it before at Soonersports.tv. It's under the uh, premium tab. This week, I had a chance to talk to D.D. Westbrook, who, yes, showed up to the press conference in a boot. It was a precautionary measure, but we kind of just talked about this incredible run that he's had over the last few weeks. So to wrap things up today, we hear from the hottest Sooner on the field, D.D. Westbrook. Uh,
5: obviously, kind of a physical night for you. How are you feeling right about now? Oh, uh, I'm pretty bruised up, you know, but that's part of it. That, that's the game of football. Um, pretty much in a boot right now you know uh, trying to get some ankle support but all in all I'm fine and ready for Kansas for you though that's just a precautionary thing right now isn't it Uh, yes sir it is all right take us through this run
1: for you personally the last couple of weeks I feel like we've talked to you after every single game and understandably so but
5: same question what's really been clicking for you Uh, just Baker believing in me and uh, of course my teammates around me you know doing whatever it is that they do to get open and and you know, um, run the routes accordingly and just pretty much frame me up to get the ball.
1: And uh, as you mean, you're winning a lot of one-on-one battles. Has that been about getting healthy for you too? I know you would battled a little bit of a what, a hammy injury or something in the off season. but how, how much has it changed for you to be 100% healthy?
5: Uh, it's changed a lot. You know, uh, the thing I use most is my speed. And with speed, of course, you got to have healthy hamstrings and your legs have to be perfect. And um, me not being 100%, it kind of it held me back a little bit. But you know, now that I'm 100%, I, I take those one-on-one battles as individual goals, and my, my goal is to defeat you every snap of the ball.
1: Joe rushes for 200, has 100 yards receiving. Baker throws for uh, almost 600 yards. But nobody realized, Dede had 200 yards receiving on Saturday night. What was working for you on Saturday in Lubbock?
5: Uh... Baker and Joe, you know, doing doing what it is that they do on the back end. You know uh, that those guys, their their chemistry is there. You know, and him rushing for two hundred yards opened up the passing lanes for me to to receive for two hundred yards. And so it was just all of us pretty much putting the hand in together. I feel like it needs to be talked about
1: more. But your blocking downfield has been so crucial this year. How hard do you guys work on that, and how important is that
5: to you? Uh, we work on blocking every Wednesday, you know, um, we got a whole session, five minute session where, where we just block for five minutes straight, you know? And so I feel as if that helped us a lot.
1: Was that environment and atmosphere on Saturday, everything you guys thought it was going to be?
5: Yeah, it, it was crazy. And, uh, like no disrespect to the Texas Tech fans, but like I, I love them. Like I thought, <laughs> like I thought that environment was fun. You know, going out there with 30 plus thousand people, you know, and they're all chanting one thing with with Baker, and for us to come out victorious in the end, I thought that was great.
1: You know, obviously it it was a little bit of a struggle defensively, but how do you guys go about
5: keeping everyone
1: up? You still got the win; it was still a W. But is it important to keep the overall morale
5: up? Uh, yeah, I mean. You know, it's just, this was just a good, a good coaching point for us, you know, for us to go back into the lab this week and just work on some things because of course, you know, uh, it it seems to you guys as if we did some great things on offense, which we did, but we, we, we wasn't where we were supposed to be. You know, we had a few missed drives that we should have executed better on and and probably had to score, you know, uh, a lot more than what it was. So, I mean, we, we still have to go back and, and do some more preparation. Final thought, Didi, how do you feel overall where this team is right now? Um, I feel pretty good about this team, and I I feel that we we can accomplish big things if we all stay in as a team and continue to fight. Congratulations on this incredible run, man.
1: Incredible probably doesn't do that justice. It might be one of the greatest runs we've seen ever from a wide receiver, and it will be a challenge for Kansas to try to slow him down on Saturday. Uh, Let's hope the run continues. Man, uh, it's been a busy podcast. I appreciate everyone for downloading. Remember, we have two ways through Digimedia. If you search Oklahoma Sooners Learfield, you'll just get the two shows. You'll get the game plan with Toby and you'll get the tailgate with me. Soonersports.tv slash podcast. You can subscribe through iTunes and SoundCloud where you will get everything from the scene setter to the highlights to our Monday refresher to the tailgate and the game plan delivered right to your phone or your or, or your iPad or whatever listening device you use for the Sooner Sports Podcast. That'll wrap up this edition. Really thank everyone for being a part of it. Look forward to next week. It'll be an odd week with the Thursday game against Iowa State, but hopefully we'll be talking about the fifth straight win in conference play. So until next week and the refresher on Monday morning, this is Chris Plank signing off and saying Boomer Sooner, everybody. This
0: has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the
4: air